0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com I want to start off by telling you about something that happened not long after Covid hit. So I don't know about you, I was working from home uh, all the time, sat at a desk uh, with my computer. Um, And as I'd been doing this day in, day out, in my bedroom, sat at the desk, uh, I started to get this funny pain all the way down my left side, down my left leg. And it wasn't in a specific place. It wasn't in my knee or my shin. It was all down my my left leg, and it was horrible. Uh, And I started to uh, feel really uncomfortable. I couldn't sit at my desk. So I tried lots of different things. So one thing I tried was I borrowed one of those big gym balls. You know, I think sometimes when women are going to labor, they sit on them and move around. Do you know those things? So I tried sitting on one of them at my desk because I was told that might help. Um, I uh, piled loads of books up uh, and put my computer on top of the books, balancing precariously so I could be in a different position. And that helped for a little while, but uh, not for long. So I tried going for walks. I'd lie down. I went on Amazon and found this remarkable elasticated contraption that wrapped around my body and around my leg uh, to see if that would help. There were some good reviews on Amazon, but unfortunately it didn't work. Uh, It made me feel a bit silly, and and it didn't help the pain, which was all the way down my left-hand side. Whatever I tried, I couldn't get this uh, pain to go away. But the weird thing was, although the pain was all down my leg, that wasn't where the problem was. I went to see a physio and was told that it wasn't my leg that was the problem. It was the bottom of my spine. And actually, I had a nerve at the bottom of my spine that was something was going on down there. And basically, that affected all the way down my left leg. So this, the effect of one part of my body impacted on another part of my body. And I saw this physio, and they told me to do these specific exercises to strengthen uh, other parts of my body that would then help the bottom of my spine. Well, the reason I'm telling you about my personal health issues is because today we're, talk- we're looking at a passage that talks about how we, the church, are Christ's body, and we'll look at how we are linked together and how we've been given different roles to help one another. So the f- uh, we're going to look at the passage now. So if you've got a Bible, have a look at it, but it will be on the screen. I'm going to read it out says this is from Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 7 but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it this is why it says when he ascended on high he took many captives and gave gifts to his people what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, so that's the passage. Check that on the floor. So last week, Tim uh, was here and he was doing the section before this in the letter to this church. um, And he challenged us to think about how we walk through life. He reminded us that because of what Jesus has done for us, we should live differently. Through And he gave three examples from the passage. Through good relationships, by being eager for peace, and worshipping God alone. And the passage also reminds us that the way we live should lead us to be united as we have the same one hope, the same one Lord, the same one spirit, and that we are one body. And today's passage, the one I've just read, focuses on how he has made us different, and that these differences can help us to be united. Now, if you look at the first section of this passage, oh, very good, Andy. Oh, yeah, I think we're nearly there. If you look at the first section of this passage, should say my first point, I think, one of the things you can see is that we're reminded of how God is good and generous. Great. Uh, The writer explains that the good things in your life and my life have been given to us by Christ, and that he's given them out as he wishes. But then we get this strange flashback to a thousand years before. You see this quote there? That's a reference uh, from Psalm 68. Um, And Psalm 68 was a song it was thought to be about when the Israelites rescued the Ark of the Covenant, That uh, box overlaid with gold contained the glory of God. Incredibly important. And the Israelites had rescued it from their enemies and were taking it back up the hill to, to Jerusalem after it had been taken. And it talks there, as I've put in bold, how he gave gifts. God gave gifts to his people. And it's a reminder that God has always been a generous and giving God. And if you flick through the Bible, you'll see a whole range of ways that God has been generous. He saves his people from famine, from slavery, from all kinds of dangers, and he blesses them with all kinds of good things. So we can see that all through the Bible, God is good and God is generous and he gives good things. But I think even the way he has created you and created me shows that he is generous. And I think it's amazing that God has provided so much for us to enjoy and Here's an example of how it really struck me that God has given us good things to enjoy. So, uh, we're all bored of talking about COVID, but that's where we've been. Cast your mind back to uh, COVID times. It was my birthday last summer, 40 years old. Just before my birthday, I tested positive for COVID, didn't I? Yeah, Those those days you have to stay in, lock down, all that business. So I was a little bit disappointed, but I thought, it's all right. On my birthday, I'm going to have a little bit of a treat. I'm going to order a McDonald's breakfast <laughs> delivered through those Uber Uber people. So uh, so it arrives, the chap comes, leaves it on the doorstep, open it up, bring my little bag of McDonald's in, double sausage, and egg McMuffin, hash brown, and a cappuccino. So brought it all in, plonked it on the table in the kitchen, I thought... At least I can really, you know, this is, this is a bit special, isn't it, on my birthday. So I unraveled it all, had my double sausage egg muffin. My mouth was watering. I was just waiting for this taste explosion in my mouth. And then I, I can remember lifting up the sausage egg muffin, wrapping my mouth around it, chomping in. And you know what's coming? Didn't taste of anything. But overnight, as I arrived on my 40th birthday, I lost my sense of taste and smell. And that that thing I was so looking forward to tasted like cardboard. And uh, and that was it for the next few weeks. The joy, I, I realized how much joy there is in having taste buds. The God created taste buds so that when we have a meal, we can we enjoy the different tastes. And suddenly me, I realized mealtimes are like that is I love eating, and mealtimes is like, come on, dinner's nearly here. Um, and suddenly, it was just going through a process, just going through a process of putting food in my mouth because I knew I was supposed to. But I, just, I was just so disappointed. But that made me realize how amazing that God decided to make us so we would enjoy eating, that we would enjoy flavors. Um, and that's not, that's not the only thing that God has done for us, um, giving us uh, taste buds but uh, he's done other things for us. He's created smells. I know they're not, not all good smells, but he's given us smells and aromas that we can enjoy. He's given us um, sunsets that we can see. He's given us flowers and plants in the garden, and, uh, in the parks, and in the countryside. He's given us seasons that we can see change throughout the year. Animals uh, and pets, for those of us who uh, enjoy pets. Um, and friendships. that He gave us friendships to experience And laughter, all these things that we might experience on a day-to-day basis are a reminder that our God is generous and he gives us good gifts. But I wonder if some of us struggle to see God like that. Perhaps there's things in your life that have happened or are happening now that cloud the way you see God and maybe he doesn't actually feel good. He doesn't feel generous to you. And if that is you, I'd recommend that you share that with someone so they can support you and pray together about it. And I I pray that we'd all get a clearer glimpse into the greatest gift that we could be given, to grasp what a massive deal it is that someone has died. Someone has died for you and for me. And not just anyone, but the ultimate rescuer, Jesus the Christ, God's Son, And it says later in this chapter that in Christ, God forgave us. It describes us as being dearly loved children. That You are a dearly loved child. That Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, it says, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we all need that to sink into our hearts and minds. So we've seen that God is a giving God. That was my point one. Let's zoom in now on the gifts that are mentioned here in the letter. Nice. So as we look at this list of gifts, um, we're reminded that Christ himself gave these particular gifts or roles to equip the church to do his work. Now, if I was to do an exercise right now and say about the, all those things that are in the passage with the different roles, if I was to say, OK, uh, everyone here who thinks that they are an apostle, if you could stand up and walk to that end of the room. And then if I said, uh, uh, teachers, if you could stand up and go to that end of the room, the pastors come over here, prophets go over there, evangelists, you can go in the car park. If I was to, if I was to do an exercise like that and then say, everyone else, just stay seated. Okay, go, and everyone went to get up. My suspicion is that we'd, most of us all would still be here, sat down. Um, and I don't know why that is. Um, maybe that's because of the culture in this country, or maybe we're not entirely sure what the roles are, um, or maybe we don't want to own up to having the gift, maybe we, don't, maybe we lack confidence. But before we take a look at them to find out more about these gifts, let's keep in mind that these roles are not described as the works of service for the church. They're described as being to equip his people for the works of service. And I think um, watching Top Gun Maverick this week helped me to understand this a little bit better. I went to see Top Gun Maverick. Um, I enjoyed the film. If you're not familiar with the film Top Gun, let me just uh, tell you a little bit about it. Um, top Gun is about the best of the best pilots in the US Navy. I think it's the top 1% of the pilots, from what I remember. Uh, the Top Gun pilots, they're cool. They've got like their own special uniform. They're all good looking, in good shape. Um, they're cool. They've got amazing nicknames. Don't we all want nicknames? Uh, their nicknames, Maverick, Iceman. Goose passed away. Uh, Roost, Rooster, one of the new, new ones, Rooster. They've all got these cool nicknames. Um, they fly on and off these boats in the middle of the sea, um, and they do loads of daring and dangerous things that you and I wouldn't dare to do. And sometimes I think we can think of uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers as like the top gun pilots of the church. Um, special elite Christians, good looking, good looking. <laughs> in good shape. Especially if they've got a successful podcast and a best-selling book. Uh, but we can even think this about church leads. Some church leaders, we can think of them as the what they are the people we get behind, um, and we hope that they will go and do great works for God. But reading this passage suggests that people with those gifts are not the top gun pilots of the church. In fact, the people who have those gifts, it describes, are more like the people who stay on the boat, who are servicing the planes, waving those flags around, helping the planes to land, um, and helping the pilots to take off all of us. Those those roles are to do, uh, to help everyone else to do the works of service. So as we go through the different gifts, let's bear that in mind as we take a look at these positions. I'm going to go through, I'm going to give you a quick summary, have a think about them, and if any of them resonate with you or if you know people with these giftings. So the summary is they're not Top Gun pilots, they're those people that fiddle with the planes and help them to go and do the stuff. Right. So apostles, so these are foundation builders in the church. They oversee the advance of the church into new communities. They ensure key doctrines and values are understood in new churches. They support local church leaders with fathering relationships. Um, and thinking about CCM, we've got different sites across Manchester. Someone like Colin, maybe, might be described as being uh, someone who has that gift. Before I moved to Manchester, I can remember speaking with people, talking about the gifts. And I remember hearing people just chatting over coffee saying, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I consider myself to be an apostle. And I can remember thinking, who do they think they are? (laughs) Putting themselves up there with the Apostle Paul and the gang. Um, But I've come to realize that perhaps things are a bit different now and that actually they weren't suggesting they were a top gun Christian. um, But... Actually, there's a difference between the apostles, who are the original founding fathers of the church, who spent time with Jesus, and maybe that gift now uh, looks different the way it's exercised. So that's apostles, prophets. So all people, all God's people, can hear His voice, but prophets are people with a recognised gift and relationship uh, with a recognised gift and relationship to use that gift. Let me start again. Prophets. So all God's people can hear His voice. But prophets are people who've got a recognized gift and have a relationship to use that gift in a particular local setting to bring clarity over what God is saying at a particular time. And I know there's people here who have that gift. I've seen Andy and Vic exercise that gift. I've seen Pete exercise that gift and other people as well. Then there's evangelists. They're gifted at sharing the good news about Jesus with those who haven't heard it or accepted it. Um, Evangelists ensure the church doesn't become inward-looking but stays on course with the mission that we've been given. And I think Kirby is someone uh, who I've seen acting out that gift of being an evangelist. And then you've got pastors and teachers. And there's um, there's a little bit of dispute. I've been reading books about this, about whether these are two roles, whether you've got pastors in the church and teachers in the church, or whether it's one one role, the pastor-teacher, Um, but pastor literally means shepherd. So either way, those who shepherd the flock are to do so through providing instructions from the Bible. And the teaching should never be in isolation from actually pastorally serving people and getting to know them. Although um, Lizzie and I are now site leaders, uh, it doesn't mean we're the only ones who carry out this role. And there's lots of people in this church who care for people, uh, and teach, not necessarily from the front on a Sunday. And I think Graham and Marion are an excellent example of people who have been shepherds and are shepherds. I think so. Thank you, Graham. Now, as I was uh, going through these things, uh, reading this through, practicing today for this very moment, my daughter Gracie heard me uh, and she said, That's really good, Dad, really, really good. Uh, but. Some people might feel a little bit left out because you don't mention their name. So um, I'm aware of that. I'm sorry if I've not said your name relating to one of those gifts. Um, But the reality is we've all got gifts to use in this church. Um, And if you don't know what your gift is or you don't know how you can serve in this church, then speak to someone, speak to me, because we need you. There's there's so much that we, we can do to serve one another. So we need your gift for the good of the church. So let's encourage other people when we see them um, using those gifts, or we think we can see that they've got the gift, but they're not not using it. Uh, Let's start exercising those gifts in all kinds of settings. Um, As we've said before, you don't have to wait until Sunday to use those gifts. Um, And that's something that's great about this church, and I think something we'd love to grow even more, um, is that CCM Gorton has never had a full-time pastor uh, who we all look to. That we're all that we're actually all dependent on each one of us playing our part in this church. Uh, We all need to step up, we all do step up, and how wonderful that is to see that as a church. So, if there is a gifting that you want to develop or use for the good of the church, either those listed here or something else, let us know or just start using it. So, we've seen that our God is a generous giver, that Christ has given us particular gifts to equip the church to do his work. We're now going to take a look at what happens when these gifts are actively being used. So, in terms of these gifts, the goal of these gifts is that God wants us to be mature and united in our faith. Um, And I find it helpful to imagine life with or without these gifts. I don't know whether you've experienced this when you've been... Uh, maybe browsing a magazine or uh, online where you see those little adverts and it 's a before and after photo, so you see the, the before photo someone who is uh, in bad shape they 've got horrible clothes, they look ill, terrible haircut, the lighting on the photo is dreadful, uh, and then somehow they 've done something they 've bought this product or joined this diet program, and then you see the after photo and yeah this these, this is incredible. Um, they're good-looking. They've got taller. They've got uh, nicer clothes, and they've just trans- the whole life seems to have transformed. They've become a very, very successful person, all because they bought this thing. Well, that before and after picture, which is uh, not uh, well, not truthful, it is helpful, isn't it, to see what they're saying happens, what the difference this intervention makes. And we actually get a before and after snapshot here in terms of a church with the gifts being exercised and a church that's not got the gifts being exercised. So let's look at the before photo without these gifts in our church and what we're told in verse 14, if you have a look. Oh, yeah, I've done it in red. Clever, isn't it? So if you see it in red, that's the things without the gifts being exercised in the church, we're told that we would be like infants, that we would be tossed back and forth by the waves, affected by every kind of teaching and people's craftiness. So that might mean that we just keep changing our views on things all the time. Um, We don't feel grounded. Perhaps it's easier for us to change our minds. Uh, We're not convinced of what we might think, so we keep changing to something that maybe feels more comfortable or is more attractive or requires less from us. It means... um, that we're more vulnerable to those things. So that's that's without the gifts being exercised in the church. That's the picture that's being painted. Then, if you look at the after picture, so the gifts being used. This is what's described. It describes a church. You probably can't see that so well, but um, a church, a group of people have a faith that is strong, that is growing, that is mature, and it's acting in love and a. I tried to highlight in green on there some of the words that are repeated twice. um, It seems to be really emphasizing the difference that when these gifts are being used, it can make to church. So it talks about being built up twice in there. It talks about growing, that we will be growing. It talks about being mature, and it talks about love, that we will act and speak in love. So if these gifts are exercised in the church and being used, it makes a massive difference. And I'm sure the original hearers of this letter would have had some tough stuff going on. Maybe they had health problems. Maybe they had relationship issues, anxieties, uncertain futures. And it sounds like there were people in and around the area who were trying to deceive them or persuade them to do or believe the wrong stuff. And yet, here we're told that Jesus has not only given us the church, but he has given us different gifts to help us through whatever the future holds. So God is generous and gives good gifts. God's given specific gifts to equip the church, and these gifts will help us to grow a faith that is strong, mature, and enables us to act in love. I could end by simply urging us all to use and develop our gifts, to encourage us, uh, to try and spot one another's gifts, and to use them, and that's true. And I think we do need to do that. But um, I've been struck by the final verse in this passage. Uh, Let me read it. It says this in verse uh, 15 and 16. It says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I just want to really emphasize that point there at the beginning of verse 16. It says, from him... The whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. It's from him. Without the head, the body is nothing. From him we're joined and held together. We need to be connected to him. I need to be connected to him. So that's my final prayer, um, that we would know how generous God is that he gave the ultimate gift of his son so we could be connected to him. And he is the one who holds us all together.